two of the worst things that ever happened to me. I had my, I was on a family vacation in Alberta this year and had my brand new Toyota 4Runner and a U-Haul trailer full of all of our adventure gear stolen. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. and that just really changed oh. changed me. Yeah, it's horrible. That's yeah. a long movie. And then now this thing with Wild River Press, and I, and I have to be honest with you, the feeling that I have over the Wild River Press thing is the same, and if mm. not worse. That was Deck Hogan talking about two extremely challenging events that occurred this year. Deck clears the air for the first time since the big social media blast about his new book, Tying Steelhead Flies with Style. We are on episode number 20 of the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. How's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. Before I get into the intro here, I want to remind you to follow us on Instagram at instagram.com slash wetflyswing. In today's episode, I interview Deck Hogan, one of the biggest names in steelhead fly fishing. Deck talks about his great book, A Passion for Steelhead, talks about why he moved to Utah and now connects to more fishermen, and tells a story about a Dean River steelhead that spooled him, jumped out of the water onto the bank, and he still landed the fish. Don't miss this one, as Deck clarifies exactly what went down this year when he told anyone who would listen on social media to not buy his new book, Tying Steelhead Flies with Style. So, without further ado, here's Deck Hogan. How's it going, Deck? Hey, I'm really good. Good to be here. Good. Good to have you on here. Uh, this is uh, great to get you on. We've been uh, chatting. I chatted with you a while back, and we didn't quite put together, and then recently yeah. we got back in touch, so I'm I'm glad we're able to connect here, and I know... You know, a lot of people are going to be excited to to hear this one because uh, your name, you've you got a pretty big name in the steelhead uh, <laughs> industry or business, however you want to say it, and uh, a lot of knowledge there. So I appreciate you coming on here. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Um, yeah, I always like to start off just a little bit on giving folks a little background on how you got into fly fishing and steelhead and Probably one of your biggest projects is a, a passion for steelhead. Maybe, I'm not sure what else you had going on over the years, but maybe you can talk a little bit about how you got to where you are. Sure, sure. I always enjoy talking about that because it goes back a long time, just uh, like so many of us who are enamored with fishing and nature. It started at a very young age, and um, I just I, I, I can't credit it to any one thing other than that I was just hardwired to to enjoy nature and fishing. My dad took me fishing at a very early age, probably, I don't know, four or five years old, to some bass ponds in Northern California, and, and uh, and that, that, that got me going. I was pretty obsessed. Um, I remember we moved around a lot when I was younger, and my parents did get divorced, and we were all around California, and everywhere we went and moved to for, for various reasons and jobs, my, um, my mom raising us, and uh, there was always some uh, s- something to fish for. I always found something, whether it be a, the Santa Monica Pier, the Huntington Beach Pier in Southern California, going out on party boats or golf course <laughs> ponds, uh, water traps, and did all that stuff. Nice. And uh, thoroughly obsessed. I remember in sixth grade, um, there was a library on that. We walked to school and there was a library, a public library um, between school and home. And I would stop in there and check uh check out fishing books. It didn't matter what they were, just any fishing books. And I remember putting my, my, uh, my homework book on the outside of the fishing book so <laughs> inside 
it looked like I was reading homework. And, but I remember walking, walking in the street and, and down the sidewalk, reading these fishing books. Um, and on and on it goes. I joined the Boy Scouts and got to fish in the high Sierras a lot. And that's when I first started fly fishing. Um, I, I, at, prior to that, you know, whatever method worked the best is what I used. And, yeah. and, uh, these little ponds and or high mountain lakes in the evenings, uh, during the day and I'd catch them on my little Panther Martin spinner and the evenings, the, I guess they were midges, um, were hatching and fish were rising everywhere. And then they weren't interested in my, my little MEP spinners. So I, I, uh, decided I needed to, to imitate those little tiny midges. And the only way to do that was fly fishing. So on and on it goes. And then I uh, joined the Navy. Oh, um, wow. yeah, yeah. Oh. So there you go. Boy <laughs> scout. And then I was in the Navy and in the Navy, I got to, Moved to Washington State. Um, I know I was always interested in steelhead. Just the the very time, first time I heard the word steelhead was in fifth grade. A little uh, kid in my class had gone up to Northern California to over winter uh, Christmas break at the time. It's winter break now, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, he came home telling stories of these steelhead, and just the name, the name alone, steelhead, just <laughs> was mysterious to me. And uh, and then I found myself in Washington, and and uh, on and on it went, and yep. we fished and found out about it, and then I became um, dangerously obsessed with it all. And yep. uh, when I got out of the out of the Navy, I wasn't going anywhere. I was going to stay in Washington, and I was going to become a, a fly fishing for steelhead guide. Yep, that's it. Uh, and you know, I just I did it. I, I made it happen through persistence and perseverance, and which was easy to do because of the passion and the joy. And and uh, I did my first guide trip in 1989. Um, Two-handed rods were just kind of sneaking around and, and up there at the mm -hmm. time, and and uh, got one of those in my hands and and went was off and running, I should yeah. say, and, and uh, guided full time to 2003. So. Wow, there's there's a lot more to the story, but that's kind of the yep the, the glossed over version. Totally, totally. So, so 1989, and where did you uh, where did you start guiding? What rivers were you starting on? Uh, so the very first guide trip I did was on the North Fork of the Stillaguamish okay. River, in Washington. Yeah, which incidentally was the very first fly fishing only water in in uh, in North America, at least the United States, as far as I I know. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I lived in, uh, uh, the area of the famous S rivers, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, Stillaguamish, the Sox, Skagit, Skykomish. And, uh, within that first year I was dove head first in and, and, and was guiding on all, all four of those rivers at uh -huh. one time or another, um, throughout the season, a lot of winter, winter guiding. And then in the fall, I, uh, once I, you know, got established and decided I could do this full time, then I started working over on the Grand Ronde river and, Huh. And then ultimately the Deschutes River after that and stayed on the Sox gadget and Stilly as long as they were open. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, so and you, and uh, did you ever do any uh, guiding up north or were you more down in the kind of lower 48? No, I, um, as so many young guides do that are trying to establish themselves and get business um, and fill the, the calendar year, I immediately um, got landed a job up in, in Alaska at oh, Katmai Lodge on the Alagnac river. Yeah. The 1990 was my first year there. Um, <clears throat> you know, the steelhead thing, you know, it's for me, it was, you know, January, February, March, April, and then again in September, October, November, yeah. 
um, not a whole lot of true summer steelhead guiding. And so Alaska was a perfect fit for that. So we'd go up there and, and, and incidentally, Alaska was a wonderful learning ground for me too. everything I fished for up there. I, I had a steelhead mindset, um, yeah. just about everything and really tried to relate it to that. Uh, you know, obviously the fish are different, but the, a lot of the techniques are this, the same and they're swinging the fly. And I did a lot of experimenting there. And, uh, I also, um, sold my trips. Well, I, I had all these various clients and wonderful people i was fishing with daily and and uh tried to talk them into coming down and fishing with me for steelhead and uh <laughs> it worked i got quite a few people to come down oh, yeah. i guess my just my passion rubbed off on them and they had to come check it out sure. and uh this many years later i'm still very close friends with with many of the, the those are very original original people i met in alaska the, the, the clients you know some of my friends guide friends as well but the clientele yeah for sure for sure and then so now in now you're in utah how did you get to a point where uh, this is always an interesting question I, it seems like i talked to you know all, all my guests a little bit about you know yeah. the industry what what happened where you you know made that choice of you know not getting out of guy I, I know a lot of people do get out of guiding but uh, what kept you out of i mean you're still in the industry i guess but yeah um, in a big way in a yeah. big way in fact i i, I you're going to ask me how I got to Utah. Yeah, exactly. That's my, I guess that's my big question. <laughs> yeah. How'd you get to Utah? <laughs> I can tell you what, it had nothing to do with fishing, but yeah. it had everything to do with passion. Yeah. It's all about, a, all, all about a beautiful woman and, uh, you had a big change in life. And, and I was the mobile one, uh, between the two of us when we fell in love and, and I wanted to be with her and she with me and, and, uh, I, I made it happen. Yep. Um, um, and, and it happened to come at a, an okay time for me to leave, to hang the full-time guiding hat up. Um, the bottom started dropping out of the, out of the fisheries that, mm. that I was accustomed to or want that I wanted to be on, right. namely the sock and the Skagit. Skycomish had closed, uh, previous to the, to even my, my leaving the guiding. So that was out. Um, it made it a little easier um, to, to, to do this. I also never intended to be a full-time fly fishing guide for my entire life. Yep. Uh, so a lot of, a lot of things lined up well. And, uh, you know, now I have a retirement. I'm a full-time firefighter. I came out to Utah to be with her and her name's Amy. Hmm. And um, she's a great fly fisher herself and a really excellent nice. steel hunter. Um, and, uh, now I have, I have, uh, the full-time job as a, as a firefighter, emergency medical technician, and, um, I have retirement and insurance. And, you know, yeah. even back when I was guiding, I, 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 I was one of the f few of my, my colleagues that actually paid for insurance. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I didn't want to be without that, but no, it was hard. It, it was hard. So life is good now. I, I, uh, I, I always maintain that when I was guiding full-time, which when I left, a lot of people didn't really understand it. And how could, how could Deck Hogan leave that? <laughs> um, I actually touch more people and come in contact with and share information with more people than I ever did when I was guiding. Because as uh, I listened to Tom Larimer's podcast mm -hmm. the other day, which is really great. I love Tom. Yeah. Um, and, and he talked about how after a while, you're just, you're guiding your friends. Yeah, you know, I had the same people on the same four days, year after year, and you know, when for 
pretty soon you boil it down and you're like, oh, I got about 30, 30 clients. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I see the same guys all the time. You're just guiding your friends. But now that I, I'm away from, from the full-time thing and I'm out, I teach casting and fishing schools all around the nation many okay. times a year. And I just, I'm in contact with hundreds of people yeah. now that yeah. I wasn't before. And it's just, it's really, really wonderful. It's yeah. just a, very nice. I love sharing information. I love seeing people succeed and, and helping them in any way I can. That's cool. And I, I think you're hitting on one of the cool things about the, the day and age we live in now with all the online, you know, there's some ne negatives to it too, but you know, the positives are you can stay connected. And I, you know, I was talking to, I think I told this story in a previous podcast, but you know, some guy sent me an email and he just was thanking me for the, I think it might've been, no, it wasn't one of the, it might've been Tom Larimer, but just thank me for the show. And and he was like, by the way, I live in Utah and I've never steelhead fish in my life, but you know, but I love the show. And there, so there's people you yeah. know, all around that still just love reading sure. your stuff or listening and they haven't even done it yet, but, but they, yeah. want, they want to. And so. the vicarious fix. No, I think it's a good thing. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So nice. So what is your now you're, I mean, you're out there now, but uh, if you had to say your home river, what, what is it? Uh, you know, you go to one, one river to fish for steelhead, where, where are you headed? So, um, <laughs> I like, I'm, I'm an anadromous fish guy. I just, I, I just am. So you're going to ask me a question. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what to ask me. All right. Say, okay. Deck, where do you fish in Utah? Nice. Nice. No, no. You ask, you ask me that. All right, Deck, where do you fish in Utah? Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and British Columbia. <laughs> nice. Really? So, you, you don't get into trout at all, huh? I, I, I do. I mean, I live, I actually live on the Provo river here and, and, uh, I love it. Um, I, you know, I love getting outside, but I really, I'm not a snob, but I have a true, <laughs> for lack of a better term, passion for steelhead. Mm -hmm. Um, so I still go on trips and steelhead fish as much as I can. And, and, uh, I certainly get out and trout fish here, but when I get out and trout fish locally, I usually go out when, uh, when something interesting is happening, like the green drakes are coming pretty soon and the good betas hatches and, and various things, um, I'll, I'll go out and, and for a couple hours, you know, the, the, the desire is a little different for me. I can still get up at the crack of dawn and, and uh, or be on the river at crack of dawn and fish till the sun goes down and a little after for steelhead and not catch a thing and be perfectly happy and ready for the next day with the trout. You know, I, I'm, I'm good after a couple hours. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, an outdoor guy. I love being outside and I love nature and, um, I'm an avid birder. And I've kept life lists of all the birds I've seen and identified around the world since I was a little guy. And um, I'm just as passionate about that as I am fishing in many ways. So cool. um, I do a lot of that as well. But yeah. when it's time to steelhead fish, I'm there. I hear you. I, the, we've been talking a little bit about the um, – Oh, like the trout spay and some of that stuff that's kind of coming yeah. around the industry. And I know that that's interest. Is that something that you, you do a little bit to keep yourself busy out there with the kind of the smaller, lighter stuff or I guess. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I, I, I love the, you know, we'll call it a spay cast, but you know, it, fish, the two handed cast, the spay cast, if you will, a water, a water born, a water independent cast that's independent of the water and the, building the cast around the anchored fly on the water in a kind of aerialized roll cast, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, I love that. I love casting. I love casting single hand. I love casting two hand. I find though that I utilize the, the two hand, the spay cast in all sorts of ways. Um, 
So for me, even to go out on the small, small mountain streams or even this middle Provo River, I might not always have a two-handed rod in my hand, but I yeah. utilize the cast, right? So then, so so to me, the the size of the rod that I would use is relative to the size of the water. So to answer your question, yes, mm-hmm. if I'm in trout water that's that's large enough and broad enough and it makes sense to use a you know one of the micro spays one of the three four or five weight two-handed spay rods i certainly will and i have for a very long time actually you know long before it was even fashionable it just it just makes sense sure yeah because you were doing it yeah since uh, 89 you picked up your first one that was yeah uh, right at the kind of right at the beginning i'm thinking back to um you know deschutes river thinking back to some of the you know the guides and the work you were working on the deschutes too right i was in those years i was on the grand ron and then i I went to the deschutes 95 i mean i fished the deschutes but i started guiding there in 95 yeah yeah nice nice. yeah but when I was on the Grand Ronde, uh, when I went there in the 1990, um, there was like maybe uh, nobody else using a two-handed rod up in the stretch I was in. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I remember even some of the locals, they would, I don't know why, but they were, you know, nice guys, but they just, it just bothered them that I was using this long yep. rod on their river and it didn't make any sense at all. And I just smiled and pretty soon I taught them all one by one how to do it. Yep. <laughs> and now that... Now, of course, it, you know, you're, it's, it's, uh, you're, you're the minority if you, if you have a single handed rod. So, yeah, exactly. Nice. So, so yeah, maybe you could talk a little bit about the, um, you know, a passion for steelhead and kind of how that all came to be and some of the other stuff. Yeah. yeah. So a, a passion for steelhead. Um, I, I had, I started writing magazine articles as early as 1993, I believe, uh, when, uh, Nick Amato of Frank Amato publications came up to fish with us in Alaska, he spent a few days with me in the, in the boat and guiding. And we were doing some kind of neat things with surface fishing for silver salmon. And he came up to check that out, namely with a wog pattern, which you may have heard of. Um, <clears throat> and in that time, I, I guess he took a liking to me and what I had to say and just said, would I be interested in writing any magazine articles for him? I said, well, sure. That'd be great. So that started that and uh mm-hmm. I, I i enjoyed that process and um and sharing information in that way and and i you know i, I won't i'm not too proud to say that it was kind of cool to see your name in print and, yeah you know yeah and <laughs> uh, and uh and then and then have a lot of positive response and you know, there was no email back then and no social media so you would get either people telling you that they enjoyed it or you would get handwritten letters or they would write letters to the uh to the magazines sure. you know have a little comment sections and yeah. that was fun so 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 from there it just started and, mm-hmm. and i learned photography a little better so i could have my own photos in the articles and and uh Started working with uh, um, Wild Steelhead and Atlantic Salmon Magazine, which Tom Perro was the editor of that and publisher okay. in the very early 90s. Yeah, and I was thrilled when I got to do an article with that. And that just kind of snowballed. And all of a sudden, I was I was doing articles for all the magazines and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and selling photographs to Sage and Sims and oh, wow. in their shores and catalogs and Ross reels. Yeah. yeah. And all the while I'm just out having fun on the river and I've got my camera with me and, yeah. and, uh, it's on the brain 24 seven. So to sit down and write a, write about it was relatively easy. Um, 
about the time I got out of guiding full time, I'm still guide a little bit, but for steelhead, but full time 2003, just prior to that, um, I had some friends say, man, you need to, you need to put all your knowledge and all your experiences in a book. Um, and I, ah, that's cool. I should do that sometime. And, and, uh, just thought about it mainly. And then about the time things changed in my life. Um, I, I, I think Tom asked me about it. Hmm. He wanted to, to do this book and I said, you know what, let's go for it. Well, mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was a little trying because it happened during the time when I was trying to get to Utah and I was going through a, another divorce and just some, some heavy duty life stuff. Yeah. And, and all, all the while trying to, to, to make ends meet and get the firefighting job. And <laughs> so it yeah. took a little bit of, a little bit of doing to, 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 to get the time, not the discipline, but the time to sit down and write it. Well, pretty soon I, I did. I mean, I got going on it and it just, it just poured out of me. Hmm. Um, just shot from the hip yep. and I just decided that I'm going to write this book in such a way that, that, uh, if, if you're in my boat with me and I'm just telling, talking to you about the day and, and about the water and about the river and about the fish and, and, uh, you know, we kind of had to obviously organize it somewhat, but that's how, that's how I wrote it. And, yeah. um, and it came out, I'm proud to say it came out pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I'm a little surprised that, you know, when, when you, when you, when you're involved with this and you're writing it from the heart and the passion is and you're working and you're getting up at four in the morning to write and you pretty soon it's eight o'clock in the morning and it's time to start your day. And the time just went by. It seemed like five minutes. So you're so caught up in it and you're so involved in it. And, and then all of a sudden you're done writing. And this is the, the experience I had. And then I went, oh, man, I, I haven't said anything. <laughs> this is the silliest thing I've ever written in my life. What have I said? <laughs> I forgot about this and I forgot about that and, and all these various things. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Tom had suggested we do a uh, – uh, which, you know, which wasn't the case, obviously. Um, I just had seen it too much. Um, and, you know, and had some, a little bit of insecurity, mm-hmm. but Tom suggested we do, um, a question and answer, uh, uh, chapter in the book, which, you know, really be kind of neat and personalize it. Well, the questions came pouring in and I addressed them. And w- when I started addressing these questions, it really did fill in those little areas where, where, where I thought that I had, you know, I, I kind of, I didn't, I didn't, things I didn't touch on, um, and when that was all done, I said, wow, okay, that's better. Hmm. I've answered a lot of things and, yep. and it's a good, it's a good chapter in the book. Um, <clears throat> nice. So then I'm all done with it and I'm feeling the same thing again. So then it gets out in the public and then all of the, the, uh, the reviews start coming in and the letters and the, the kind emails and people just so excited about it. Huh. And one of my close friends, Scott O'Donnell actually said, Gave me one of the best, I, I guess you could say it's a compliment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when he saw me, he got this, you got to know Scott, when he had this face, this look on his face. I said, what do you think of my book? And he had this look on his face like he's going to say something bad. I'm like, oh my gosh, what? And he goes, you know what's wrong? I'm going to tell you what's wrong with that book. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Scott's <laughs> going to be critical of my book. He said, you didn't leave anything for the rest of us to say anything. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
Wow. Coming from him, I think I think we I think we did it. I think we That's recovered cool. everything I wanted to cover. And now that many years this many years later, when I'm teaching my clinics, um, that this was a few years ago when the book was still relatively new. Um, I, and I would, you know, would talk about the book and during my clinics and I, someone would have a question and I'd answer it and I'd say, Oh, and by the way, that that's also in the book. Yeah. And someone else would have a question. I said, and that's in the book. Perfect. Pretty soon I realized that hardly any question I was confronted with was not at least addressed in that book somewhere. Nice. So. That's great. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much the, uh, it's the ultimate resource. If you can just direct people back to that and that's, that's the way Thank to go you. for sure. Nice work. Yeah, so I was going to check in with you on the whole intruder uh, revolution, or however you want to, you know, people describe yeah. it. Maybe you can describe your perspective from, you know, being in the industry, but um, you know, a little bit on the outside of that. Yeah. So that's um, funny you say that because that's also in the book. I write about that. Nice. <laughs> it's in the book. Yeah. So I'm I'm uh, friends with Jerry French and Ed Ward from way back when, and and. Uh, we are actually, uh, we still had fish together a bunch. Um, and it was, I believe, 1993. We are all three working still up at Katmai Lodge. And in fact, Ed was my roommate um, that last year. And uh, one morning, you know, we always messing with flies, as you do. You know, flies are a big part of your life when you're fishing every day. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and keen, keen observations and just you know, one constantly learning and, and trying to create things and, and, uh, for various conditions, what have you. And, uh, one, one morning I, I, uh, I woke to like, I don't know, I someone tapping my shoulder and kind of giggling and, uh, I opened my eyes and there's Ed standing over me with a fly hanging off of a leader and he's dangling it in front of my face <laughs> <laughs> and it's like nothing I'd ever seen. It was long and leggy and there was just hackle all over it. And just, it was alive. And, <laughs> and I just, you know, I woke up and I just chuckled and I go, man, what the heck is that? And, you know, and, and he goes, check this out. And it's wow. That is crazy. That this thing looks so buggy and alive right yeah. on, man. And he just said, yeah, I, um, Jerry called it an intruder. I said, oh, that's a perfect name for it. And, you know, I, I was, I thought it was neat. Um, um, I, I, w- I didn't have to sit down and tie, you know, tie a bunch of them. I thought it was cool. And if, yeah. it, if Eddie, Eddie's going to, Eddie's going to go and, and, and find out what the intruder's all about in the water. Yeah. <laughs> so, so sure enough, he did. And that, you know, the, those very first, uh, intruders were, were, were tied, um, just on a, on a Alec Jackson sure. size one half, you know, later, later came the, his addition of the trailer hook and, um, you know, kind of doing it shank style, yep. um, if you will. Uh, but those guys, um, those guys being Jerry and, and, and Ed, and then, uh, also Scott Howell was working with us mm-hmm. at the time up there. They all, they, they all three got really excited about it and started, started working on it. And I know they all went up to the, to the, to Skeena country that fall, 93, and they used nothing but intruder style. Yeah. And uh, they caught a bunch of fish, and I know they had a great time, and and the the takes were really extra vicious. They thought, and they or the data they compiled was the takes were very yep. vicious. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and I'll be honest with you, I was in, I thought it was really cool and really neat, but I was into my own thing sure. at that time. 
Um, so I never really jumped on it. I did after a while and, you know, being close with Ed, they, they kept it very secret. Of course, not with me. Um, I got to see all kinds of intruders and they kept getting bigger and bigger. In fact, the, the, they, they morphed into these amazing, huge, ginormous, for lack of a better word, fly. Hmm. I remember Ed just saying, gosh, I'm just, I'm addicted to it because the takes are so violent. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I rem- t- talking to him about it one night, I, I realized because he, he didn't know. He didn't, he, he didn't really understand why the takes were violent. Was it big? Were they trying to kill it? And you know what I thought? He told me one day, he goes, you know, I put these lead eyes on here. People think I'm trying to get it all deep. I only put the lead eyes on there to counteract the parachute effect yeah. of the, the, all the turkey that's on there. <laughs> and all the, long, you know, there's a lot of turkey in those early intruders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the fly was fairly buoyant. It was resistant to sinking. So he just did that to counterbalance it. And he said, you know, these flies are only, they're only a foot or two under the surface. And I went, that's why you get the violent takes. Because you're getting these these big fish, these big wild winter fish coming up high in the water column. Yeah. Taking that fly down. So you're getting a much bigger jarring take than you would right. if it was down at their level so in any event that was that was pretty pretty interesting and revealing to and ed ed was pretty excited with with uh with that thought um and uh i still i you know after a while i he started using the ostrich hurl in the flies and um although i wasn't intrigued to tie my own intruders i did I did like the look of the ostrich. So I did yeah. some space style flies where I'd use ostrich hurl as the, as the hackle and then in the wing. And I have a fly, a fly called the DC prawn. It's in, mm-hmm. it's in passion for steelhead that, you know, and I definitely credit Ed's intruder to that, but I never really got, got too into it. Um, I can say this though, anytime that I did not, an actual tr- intruder on it was always one ed tied and I, always something cool happened <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. No, so i good. think it's really neat and i and i will in, in the past for steel and I, I what i what i said about that fly is that it, it it's it, it's not many things are, are original anymore yeah. um that was something that that is original that changed that changed the the face of of a lot of people's idea of steelhead flies um, the size of flies, the styles, yeah. and it just, Ed is truly, you know, and you can credit those other guys yeah. to a degree, but it's Ed. Yeah. yeah. It's well, that, Ed. that was the take from the story I heard. It sounds like, uh, you know, Ed was the guy watching the, the national geographic sort of things with the, totally. coming up with these ideas, but was it, you know, I just think of this as you were talking, I mean, is the revolution similar to the whole spade rod two-handed rod revolution back in the 90s when you were there starting that whole thing or being part of that uh similar as regards to i don't understand yeah the question. yeah it's similar like when you started fishing um the two-handed rods people thought you were crazy oh yeah and when people started when ed was doing that so well, i guess they didn't think he was crazy because he was hooking fish right people realized yeah right he was away. hooking fish and you know ed ed's always been a mysterious character and and yeah. uh um you know and ed's hooking fish and people listen right yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> so and he kept that secret for quite a while yeah and and then it, when it got revealed i mean it was very attractive to a lot of people um very attractive so yeah. they started tying it now one thing that i do and this is important to me and i'm sure it is to ed and, and other you know peers of mine 
Um, you know how we how you take a brand name and and then then it becomes the the uh, yeah the name the yeah like clean yep. tissue and totally. we call it a Kleenex. Well, Kleenex a brand name. Um, you know that kind of happens with a few things. The intruder being one, spay flies and intruders. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Everything all of a sudden, every steelhead fly became a spay fly, yep. which is not true. No. And then anything that was big is <laughs> called an intruder. And intruders is a it's a family of flies. It's not a specific pattern. Yeah. But it's got to meet some criteria, certain criteria, to be actually called an intruder. So, and I've I've seen guys, you know fairly new to the sport and that don't understand the history of it, you know, calling a great big rabbit strip leech with a hackle in front of it an intruder. Right. No. You, you, you get my point. So whoever's listening, an intruder's an intruder. And do yep. your research and find out what it is before you start calling a big totally. fly an intruder. Totally. Yeah. And if, uh, <laughs> as, as similar to yours as it's in the book and I've had a few guests that, you know, it's in the podcast, I've had a few people that have, have clarified that exact thing that it's, you know, I, you know, the, the I background on and stuff and yeah, you're, you're right on. So no, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, uh, I was going to jump into a little bit on, um, presenting the fly, you know, at, at the right speed, because that's a, a big common question a lot of people have. Um, before I get into that, that's kind of a big topic. I was hoping you could maybe clarify a little bit on your, was this your second book or, or the most recent book that came out? Uh, or, or For the Amato's idea, you know, as far as the book goes, yeah. I did a, one of those Steelhead River journals on the Skagit and Sock River, and I believe it was published in 1996. Okay. Uh, you know, so, you know, for me, that was a book project. It wasn't a very big book, but it was a lot bigger than a magazine article. So it's like, gotcha. you know, 50-page book. Yeah. And then I did Passion for Steelhead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Okay. And then, and so the most recent book that just came out, The um, uh, Tying Flies with Style, uh, mm-hmm. um, there was a little bit of a social media uh blast or however you want to call it where um you know i think you came out and some other people talking about how there were some issues and you know how not to buy the book and stuff i was hoping i had tom perro on here in a recent podcast and he explained kind of you know being the publisher and and all that um basically his side of the story i was hoping that you can maybe clarify your side as well and just go a little bit in the back just so people i think it's a good lesson if nothing else uh, for people that want to get into this and and write and understand the process and all that Sure, sure. That that's um, it's a it's a it's a sensitive subject, and uh, it's actually more than just a little social media thing. Yeah. Um, I I uh, I've been very quiet about it. Um, I can tell you that it's been a gut wrenching, very sad, sad ordeal. Um, and I know that uh, Mr. Perro has been very vocal about it on your podcast and then the paper this long paper he wrote right. for those of you that know we'll talk a little bit about it because i i i i kind of do want to tell my side of the story um because there's two sides to every story yep. and uh yeah and <laughs> i've been given a lot of thought because i figured we might be talking yeah, about for this sure, for sure. and i want to be careful because i don't want to drag it on yep and uh, and I never and never had any intention of uh, of um, trying to slander or defame uh, Wild River Press or Mr. Mm-hmm. Tom Perro himself. I never have said anything derogatory 
Um, and I'm not going to, all I'm going to do is tell you the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Which we haven't always had the truth. Well, and Um, and I'll I'll just interrupt you real quick. Just how I got involved in this. I I think I called, I talked to you quite a while because you were one of my number one people I've been wanting to get on the show since I started this. And um, in that time, I think I listened to April. I, you know, I listened to April, um, um, April's podcast. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I heard Tom on it, you know, and it's like, yeah. whenever I hear a great, you know, a, a good guest, I always, you know, tr- sometimes reach out and stuff. So sure. that's kind of how that came. And I worked Tom. And I think in that time, by the time I got Tom on, I had heard this social media thing and that's why, yeah. I, and that's why I asked Tom the question. So now we're kind of full sure. circle sure. and you're on here to, to, to again, to talk a little <laughs> bit about it. So, all right. Yeah. Well, I will. Um, uh, the, the, the first thing is we, we uh, I had the idea of, of doing a, my, a second book. I'll be honest, after doing A Passion for Steelhead, uh, it, it, it took a ton out of me. And when it was done, I was done. I did yeah. not want to look at another piece of, uh, you know, typing on a computer or any of that for a while. Um, it was a great experience, but I needed a break. So my break was up and I started thinking about my next project and I want to do a fly tying book. My, I'm now I'm in Utah and my brother-in-law, Marty Howard, who is just an absolutely superb, uh, fly tire and an absolute peer in the, in the fly fishing. Um, he's, he, he has a long history of being a professional in the industry as well. So, and a wonderful fly tire and steelheader. So we decided to, to do this together. And, um, we started playing around with uh, some photography and trying to really, really photograph flies well. And I was, and I had, I had a few photos that I had done and I was, I um, had visited with Tom Perro on one of my uh, casting clinic trips up to Washington, 2010 or 11. And I showed him some of these photos I heard in his podcast, he said that they were Marty's photos of step-by-step, That's but right. they weren't, they were my own photos. Okay. <laughs> and there was no step-by-step photos. They were, they were a style that you will soon see. Um, anyway, that doesn't matter. Gotcha. Uh, and we started talking about doing this book and he said, yeah, great. Now I want you guys to keep in mind when I say you guys, all your listenership, mm-hmm. um, that, when we did a passion for steelhead and wild river press was just kind of getting launched, uh, they sold their books in a very traditional manner in that there was a, they sold them wholesale and the big book distributorships like anglers book supply and rump and sons. And, and, you know, they, they wild river press would sell the sell to them and then they would distribute them to any fly shop or retail outlet that wanted to buy these things. Right. That's, that's right. The, the way it works. Well, over time, um, Wild River Press decided that they didn't want to do it that way, and they wanted to cut out middlemen and distributorships and Amazons and all that, and that's great. That's their prerogative. Mm-hmm. But in doing so, um, they cut out all the fly shops. Oh, wow. And yeah, so Wild River Press, and I see a lot of people don't even know this today. If you want a book by Wild River Press, you go to wildriverpress.com and you purchase the book. So, so Wild River Press is the sole, wow, the sole retail outlet. That's, right. I didn't, I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and you know, you can decide how you well, want. And, and actually I did realize that recently, recently when I did, um, 
I was looking up your books or some books, you know, kind of yeah. with the Wild River Press. And I kind of went to Amazon just because that's a really easy place yeah. to find everything. And it was like, and you couldn't yeah. find them there. Yeah, that was my yeah. first sign. I was like, whoa, they're, they're not there. Yeah. They must be all through to, through the publisher. Yeah, they are. Yeah, okay. and you can't you can't buy them in a fly shop. Gotcha. Period. Yeah. So <clears throat> I had expressed to Tom that I was not interested in that. The fly shop. Fly shops are my friend, you yeah, know, exactly. and they're part of my business. And it's a very small little industry, and we're it's pretty close knit. So there's no way that, um, sorry to speak in the third person, but there's no way that Deck Hogan is going to turn his back on fly shops. Sure. Uh, if I have a product, they're allowed to get it. So I had I discussed that with Tom, and uh, and he agreed that my fly tying book or our fly tying book, excuse me, mm-hmm. was going to be. Uh, available in fly shops done so marty and i went to work and tom and his uh um layout guy greg smith they didn't have anything come their way there's marty and back in 2011 marty and i just kept working on the book uh at our own pace didn't sign any contracts or anything just at our own pace Mm -hmm. well marty at the time is was a a police officer full-time police officer for park city and he was working uh, great uh, swing shifts. So we were able to work during the day. And uh, we worked and worked and worked and worked. And then all of a sudden, he had to change shifts. Well, we weren't able to work together anymore. So the, the project kind of went away, hmm. um, which is here's a, a, an opportunity for me to interject this. Um, the publisher of Wild River Press states verbally in, on your show and in his his uh, defense, I guess you would say, his 22-page white paper, he claims that Marty and I had a disagreement or a series of disagreements and that he even called it a family feud. (laughs) Um, That is an absolute downright lie. Marty and I are brothers, and we never had any kind of – I have no idea where, where that came from. What really happened was Marty changed shifts Hmm. (laughs) and we just went on with life. So a few years later, we said, you know, uh, we have all this wonderful work done and, 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 and let, let, let's, let's, let's revive it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because Marty retired. Oh, wow. Um, And I'm a full time firefighter. So I have two days on, four days off. And when I'm not traveling around teaching casting, I have four days off to, to write and do things she related. Um, So we, we revived it, and uh, we certainly did speak with Tom. I don't know if he called us. He said he did, or I called him. It doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, were ready to, we were ready to work again. And uh, this was last May. Last May. And we set up a three-way conference call with myself, Tom Pirro, and Marty Howard, the two authors and the, the would-be publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, in that conversation, before we really made any plans or outline outlines to move forward, <clears throat> I distinctly remember the conversation. I said to Tom and Marty was there said, uh, we, we have to know that this fly time book is going to be available in fly shops. And yes, we certainly had a lot of work to do on this yet. It wasn't by no any means complete. We're, right. we're going to work. Right. And, uh, 
I mean, I know Tom in your podcast said, well, they didn't even have a book. Well, I don't know what that means. Hmm. We were working on the book. Tom didn't have a book either. So in any event, yeah. uh, he agreed with the two of us that we would, this, this book would be available in fly shops and be sold in a more traditional wholesale manner. Uh, now I need you to keep in mind that Marty and I would have never, ever gone with Wild River Press had we thought for a second that they were going to be the sole retailer and that they were going to to not uh, make this book available in fly shops and other retail outlets. Right. This is this is a huge part of the story. Yeah. Tom agreed to it. Did we get anything in writing at that point? No. Why would I? Did, did, yeah. I didn't tell you this. Oh, I did. I alluded to it earlier. I've been working with Tom Pirro since since the early 1990s, and and did all every magazine he ever had. I I wrote articles for, and I had a a column in one of them, a, a quarterly, a monthly column, bi monthly. Oh. Uh, we traveled together. We we did casting clinics huh. around the East Coast and. In, up, upstate New York. You guys, and, and you guys were friends. We were friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, so why, why would I not trust this? Right. So we happily went to work and yes, we were working with Tom and Greg as our publisher and, uh, back and forth, back and forth and editing things and sending them material and uh, Greg's laying the book out and, and we still hadn't signed anything. Um, again, didn't think we needed to, and Tom, Tom kept pushing for us to get this thing done. And, you know, life's hard. Marty's retired. Um, he, you know, he made it sound like, you know, I didn't do any of the work. Well, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I certainly did. Uh, maybe not as swiftly as he wanted to, um, but I got it all in. In any event, uh, um, it's the end of December and we're getting close. We still had a lot to do, but we're getting close. And all of the the step by step photographs and stories that accompany them are in, and Greg's got them, and that's about all. There was a lot more to the book than than uh, than he had, and uh, um, all of a sudden it comes out that um, Wilder Press is in fact going to be the sole retail yeah. outlet, yeah, and and not even allow us to have the books wholesale. Authors should usually get their books at wholesale and I could sell them out of the back of my truck oh, all sure. day long. If I want to, like I did passion for steelhead, uh, and go to book signings at fly shops. And, yep. um, um, <clears throat> so he lets it be known. Well, huh. the wheels start falling off a little bit and we start working some things out The the details here don't matter. Just that Tom, yeah. Tom was willing to bend on a couple of items. Uh, one of which was he was going to allow us to buy a, a few books at a special discount of, uh, uh, a special discount of price that Wild River Press usually doesn't do, mm-hmm. so we could sell them at some of our public events. And then I said, oh, oh gosh, the whole fly shop thing was a bummer, but we were willing not to not to you know we'd come so far and we we've spent so much time doing this. Oh, I yeah. mean. Tom talks about the time that him and Greg spent doing the book is minimal compared to what we did. Obviously <laughs> it's our book. We're doing the work. Um, <clears throat> so we, you know, we have that vested and we just said, okay, we'll work with you. So, but Tom, we need, we need uh, contracts now. 
Yeah. This raised our eyebrows. We need contracts now. And it was pretty, it was, it was hard to swallow. Mm. So he immediately uh, revised uh, his, his contracts to allow some concessions for us and, uh, and sent them to us. We got the contracts. And when we read the contracts, the, it raised a lot of questions. <laughs> and uh, so we presented him very diplomatically and, 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 uh, in the adult big boy world and, and, and presented him with these questions of which he ignored us. Hmm. Now, when I deal with Tom Pirro and I send him an email, I usually get a response. It's pretty amazing, actually, within five minutes. Yeah. Now, four days, like for years. Totally. Now, four, four days go by with nothing. Oh, yeah. So I ask him about it, and he comes back with a with a a kind of derogatory, condescending note to us um, that kind of you know made us a bit upset. Not kind of, it did. Yeah. And and we let him know, and and we're very unhappy and thought maybe this isn't going to work out. And nothing inflammatory. Well, Tom goes into hiding, and he won't talk to us. It's all in this. It doesn't matter. Yeah. He won't talk to us. He goes into hiding and says that he can't deal with us now, and uh, um, he'll talk to us at the end of the month, which as a friend, I could not, I could not believe that. Hmm. I had a really hard time. With what's wrong? What's wrong? I don't understand this. This is hard to comprehend. We're we're adults here, right. and we were we were willing to work with him, and he shut us down. So the end. So so the whole month of January goes by, and we don't hear from him. And I've left him phone messages. I've written him emails, hmm. and we don't hear from him. <clears throat> so we decide to uh, say, well, I guess we're not doing the project. I tried to reach out to Greg Smith, and he won't answer me either. So I thought, well, these guys are done. So we went and found another publisher. No kidding. Yeah, because we we, we're, we we want to finish this book. <laughs> we just poured so much time into it over the, the course of the last year and then some. Um, the other it was it was Stackpole Books, and uh, um, there's some misunderstanding here as well. We told them they knew about us with Wild River Press, and we told them that the project was over. Um, Tom claims that I said that they that tom gave us his blessing to move on which i never did i don't right. know where that came from right. it doesn't matter yeah. uh um and then and then uh, another month goes by and so two solid months have gone by we have not heard from from tom and we're working with stackpole and they sent us this wonderful contract that was easy to sign and we signed it and uh incidentally i did emphasize we did not sign a contract with wild river press at all and uh and we and, and as far as any agreements we had was all verbal and then you know he 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 reneged on it so so there you go yeah. so two solid months go by and all of a sudden there is there is uh it is uh, the release of tying steel head flies with style wow and if you don't think Jeez. That was like walking into your home after burglars had been there and stolen everything in your house. The feeling that came wow. from that, yeah. it was unbelievable. And I'm just what? And Mar Marty, I, I keep saying I, I. I let me emphasize, it's we, it's Marty and I. Yeah. All of this. Oh yeah. Um, um, 
we're just shocked. We're stunned. We can't believe it. And what, what, what would they use? We, of course we had given them some material, but there was so much to be done. And we didn't even believe that there was a book. Now, if you, if you had that feeling, wouldn't you, wouldn't you just, you'd go crazy and you'd have Mm -hmm. to stop it. (laughs) So I want, I want to, I, I, I'm sorry, but I want to read something to you. Yeah. And, and here's, here was our reaction. First of all, my very first reaction, because I was panicked. I, I, I could not believe it. Right. I grabbed the phone to call Tom. And I'm going to say, I'm going to ask Tom, what's going on? And uh, instead, I get a voicemail. And I am absolutely enraged, and I'm not ashamed to say it. And yes, I left him a pretty inflammatory message, voicemail. Right. Hung up the phone i called greg smith to do to talk to him his wife answered and i just i said have a nice night and i hung up the phone immediately marty emails tom i email tom and we want to stop the presses so marty writes up this quick thing he sends it to me i we switched our name so we could each post it now i'm going to read this to you because this is the until today this is the only thing that i've said publicly Hmm. I have not done. I have not said anything derogatory about Tom Perrell or Wild River Press. I have not done anything to try and destroy him or his business, as he claims. Uh, I'm going to read this to you. Yeah, this was this was on Facebook and Instagram that very night, the mm-hmm. minutes after we learned that this book had been published behind our backs. Mm-hmm. Please read. So sorry. Wild River Press announced today the release of our book and is now accepting pre-orders. Marty and I dropped Wild River Press at the end of 2017 because we were not able to come to an agreeable business arrangement. I can't even say what the finished book looks like because we never completed the project. Please do not order the book. I don't even know if the book actually exists. It's a very sad day for both Marty and I. All we want to do is provide the fly fishing community with fun fly tying instruction. I am sure there is a lesson to be learned, but I can say straight up, this is painful. So please spread this. I don't want to see anyone get taken. Please share this. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. I don't say anything bad about Tom Perron Wild River Press and that. No. Do I? No. And that, that was the first time I think that I heard about it. And yeah. It just kind of was like, yeah, and I, I mean, I didn't know you that well at all, really, and I, but it was kind of, it, it was a definitely a passionate uh, reading it you, right away. Sure. You're like, okay, something is going crazy. Up. Yeah, you just wanted to help the situation, you know? Sure, I, I did, and I just, it, it, we were just dumbfounded. Um, and first of all, and I, you know, I didn't even preface by saying this, and I wanted to, I, I, I hate being in this situation. I hate it that I am talking about this right now, that it even is. It's been a really, really challenging few months since this happened. And I'm right. still trying to wrap my head around, around it. And, and, I, and I have to, I have, so first back, back to that, that initial post, um, what happened next, uh, was, was pretty amazing. People, they only, they only had that information and in, and in defense of Tom and, the few, the few, uh, the few bad things that were said, um, threatening things and kind of some ugliness. Um, I, you know, I don't condone that. Um, I also know that people are passionate and they only had a little bit of information and, and they, and, you know, and they're, they're, they, they like Marty and I, and they probably had a cocktail at night and were right. enraged and needed to, to, <laughs> to vent some steam about something. But, um, 
it sounds like in the previous podcast um, with Wild River Press that there was just this constant barrage of people saying negative things and, and threatening him. There was really yeah. only two. There was really only two. Okay. Uh, and, and, and I actually happened to know the guys out of the hundreds and hundreds of responses and shares. I, don't, I only knew a few of those people. Uh, and I just, and, you know, thank you for all the support. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it wasn't as bad as he made it sound. Although, you know, the, and those guys regret doing it. And it's true. Yeah. You know, like I said a cocktail in the evening. And, uh, and so yeah. go ahead. Sir. No, I was just yeah. going to say out of the whole story, it seems to me like, you know, anybody in this industry, you know, I think a lot of people on the outside might not know it, but on the inside, you realize yeah how small it is and how yes. tight knit group, and especially with the shops, you know, I mean, there's a whole, revolution of online shopping and that's hurting yep. you know the local and it's all about trying to back up the shop so you know it's that's yep. the interesting thing that, that yeah you know that we, yeah, all, we all know, know that, that. yeah mm-hmm. so yeah. um <clears throat> uh, yeah and it's like i said it's it's important to for me to support the fly shops and and and, and everyone involved um and again i you know i don't i don't i don't fault wild river press for wanting to do business the way they want to do business i i'm fine with that i just i just don't want to be a part of it gotcha uh yeah um oh there's so, a couple of things go ahead what i was gonna say so what do you think i mean just for a little take-home message for maybe somebody that's going to be writing a fly fishing book someday i mean what, what would be a word of advice from this story or, the, or you know something they can learn do you think um, you know, as I get older, I'm, I'm, and I, I've had a couple of bad experiences this year. One of which was in, in, uh, Alberta this year. I had my, in my 55 years, <laughs> I have two, two, two of the worst things that ever happened to me. I had my, I was on a family vacation in Alberta this year and had my brand new Toyota 4Runner and a U-Haul trailer full of all of our adventure gear stolen. Oh, Jesus. yeah. Yeah. And that just really changed, oh. changed me. Yeah, it's horrible. That's yeah. a long movie. And then now this thing with Wild River Press, and I and I have to be honest with you, the feeling that I have over the Wild River Press thing is the same, and if not worse, because wow. now I I know who 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 did this to us. Um, hmm. um, and 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 he may feel justified, but when you when you do a book, um, there's all kinds of there's a whole process that happens, and we we were a big part of that was cut out and, you know, back and forth and proofreading and placement. And there was a lot more material that this needs book needed to have. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, it was, it was, it was published in haste and, um, and I didn't, I never intend to come on here and, and bad mouth anybody, just the truth. We established that. And here's the truth. That book is not representation of what wild river press can do. Um, it's missing all sorts of things. You don't even have to know if you just know books, you know, it's missing things, but here's the biggest problem. It's full of typos. It's full of redundant words. It's full of repeated photographs. Yes, it it was, it was, I don't, I, again, I don't understand it. Um, and, and as far as Marty and I are concerned, that book does not exist. Um, it, it was not handled. It was not handled the right way. Um, yeah. so I'm, I'm going to right here, you know, once again, say, please don't, please don't buy that book. Um, and, and I, I can just tell you that we'll make it up to you 
and and soon someday you'll see what Marty and I really wanted to bring to to the fishing public and uh with with our with our hearts and passion and I don't care if I make a nickel I I I like sharing the information mm-hmm. with with our with our wonderful community so yeah okay <laughs> so there will yeah. so mm-hmm. be some some more stuff down the line on this. And, uh, you know, for me, I think maybe one take home message is maybe a life message for, for everybody is that, uh, you know, God, whether it's your car getting stolen, which has happened, which has happened to me before as well, or this, I mean, you know, stuff's going to happen. That's terrible in life. And and a big part is is being able to move on and, uh, and, uh, build from it and learn. And I guess, and, you know, continue growing and, but, uh, yeah, and I, I apologize. I didn't answer your question. The question to, to, to aspiring writers oh, yeah. is to, yeah, for sure is to, uh, um, I was kind of leading into being cynical now, you know, and, <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, um, you, you just, you can't do anything on a handshake. You can't do anything with a verbal agreement. You have to, you have to, uh, you have to have everything in writing and, and, and signed, uh, and agreed upon, uh, uh, legally and officially before you, before you dive in. Yeah. No, 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 no matter what. Yep. Um, and, 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 and Tom, and I'll, and I'll say this to you, Tom, Mr. Perro, my, my old friend, um, in your 22 page white letter, which, uh, you, you know, I, I'm just like Tom, I encourage you to go read it if you, if you, if you want, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> it's, it's tabloid journalism at its best, by the way, and it's full of, of smoke and mirrors and downright lies. And, uh, I, I, you know, in a different venue, I, I could, I could actually prove it. But in any event, in the end of the story, he says, here's what I've learned. Well, you know, it takes him many, many sentences to say what he learned when really what Tom should have learned is the same thing that I did learn. And that is that you have to have a written signed agreement up front. Right. End of story. Yep. There's no other way around it. Yep. So there you have it. And I, I apologize to everybody for taking so long to tell this and that it even is. I'm all about fishing, love, life, yeah. passion, and and, uh, and and all of you. Yeah. Anybody that knows me knows that first and foremost, I, I, I love people and I love sharing. Um, and, and, and that's what I'm all about. I have no hidden agenda. And to be called dishonest and and unethical is which which that that was said about me um, is like you know calling uh, Pablo Picasso paint by number artist. Right. Um, it's just not going to happen. You know, I alluded that I was a Boy Scout. I was in the Navy. I uh, am a public servant my whole life, guiding, right. and now I'm a firefighter, emergency medical technician for the last 13 years. Marty Howard is a retired police officer of 30 years. Um, we're pretty honest guys yeah. <laughs> with lots of integrity. <laughs> so I guess that's enough about that. Let's talk about fishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's good. I'm, I'm glad you uh, clarify that. Yeah, so let's bring it back to um, that question I alluded to a little while ago on presenting your fly. Maybe, and actually, I think we're getting – I usually try to keep these shows too. We're going to go a little over definitely uh, you know, our normal mm-hmm. time, but that's fine. But uh, yeah. yeah, maybe we'll just do a, a little bit of a rapid fire around to try to get through a few sure. questions. Yeah, I have yeah I'll, I'll try not to be so wordy. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> so, uh, so as far as presenting a fly, how would you tell somebody who's struggling to understand how to present that fly to a steelhead? You know, how, how would you explain it to them? Okay, so there, there's uh, there's many, many – various factors and I but when you swing a fly 
the bottom line is you need to swing that fly just as a baseline. You need to swing that fly as slowly as possible. Slow is good. Uh, overall, I know that, you know, when Tom Larimer talked about speeding the fly up, um, yep. in those conditions, that's a rare, unique condition. Um, but, but, uh, you know, if, if Tom came fishing with me tomorrow on, on the Skeena river for spring steelhead, we'd, we'd be out there fishing those flies slow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Slow down and across, okay. you know, yeah. So slow, as slow as you can, it's got to be enticing. What you want to do in the world, according to me, is you want your fly to look vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Because the steelhead are, are sitting Bulls. there. They're either, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's a, it's a, uh, a prey item. I mean, that's definitely one thing or, or they're just kind of interested. I mean, what do you think is the biggest reaction? That- I, think, I think it's a conditioned response, yeah. a latent eating response from the ocean and, and, and a reaction. You know, if you were standing on the other side of the, if we were together in the room and I just tossed my car keys at you, 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 you wouldn't right. just stand there and let them hit you. You'd try and catch them. <laughs> or bat it out of the it's way it's because it might have been a, it might have been a tarantula, but you're not going to just stand there, right? You're going to yep. do something, um, and that's a, that's a conditioned response in you. Yeah. Uh, so that's 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 with it, without you know getting way into sure. it. I'm spent many a many a late night, yep. three hour over a scotch or seven <laughs> uh, talking about this stuff with my buds. But cool. yeah. All right. So what's your uh, what's your favorite beverage on on the river? <laughs> on the river itself yeah on a, you're out you're out steelhead fishing and you're after uh, af- yeah. after or during uh, uh after yeah after i'm uh i'm uh i i think my the, my very favorite liquid after i'm done fishing is uh um lagavulin it's a it's a isla scotch oh, okay Heavy, smoky, oh, cool. peaty spots. Yeah, that's how I like it. Nice, nice. That's, that's <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of a full IPA sort of uh, beer uh, sort of guy. So, um, but that, yeah, no, that I love IPAs too, and double IPAs. And, exactly, yeah. exactly. Good stuff. So, <laughs> so uh, what's up with the? You have an upcoming steelhead class. I think you mentioned in uh, somewhere, right? Coming up here soon. Yeah, so I, I have my I have my you know it's 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 uh, it's concert season for me you know it's like yep. I go on my tour yeah so my first the first one usually by now I've done several this year I, I I'm starting a little later so I will be in uh, out of Royal Treatment Fly Shop in West Lynn Oregon mm-hmm. uh, the fifth and the sixth of May doing my on the water uh, casting fishing clinics. Um, and I, I don't know if there's spots open in there or not. There might be a couple opens on the second day still. You can check with them at, at, uh, uh, Royal treatment fly shop. Okay. Uh, com. okay. Or, and, uh, and then after that, I'll be at peninsula outfitters, the, just a two weeks, uh, later or a week, two weeks later, mm-hmm. 18, in the weekend of the 18, 19 or 19, 20 of May, uh, in Paul's bow, Washington, and there I'll be doing on Saturday a, a all day fly tying class, um, tie along. And I know there's probably a spot or two open there. You can check with them. And then on Sunday I'll be doing the casting class again. I think that class is booked. There might be one spot open, but that's Peninsula Outfitters. Then the next month I'm on Avid Angler Fly Shop in um north of seattle um i don't know what exact town they're in is there any pl- way to uh you know if somebody runs into this you know a year or two down the line and you're still out there doing stuff to like 
go someplace to see what all you have coming routinely? Or are you just kind of, uh, sometimes the, uh, my affiliation, yeah, it changes, but sometimes, uh, there's a calendar on, you know, I, I, I've, uh, worked closely with, with Rage F sports and echo fly rods and airflow fly lines. Sometimes their calendar will have my lineup on there. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And I, I'm not really super great at, at, uh, sure at having a website and announcing all these things, but I'm, I, that, that's in the works. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be there. Well, I'm, you know, if you keep checking Instagram and Facebook, I almost always post it a, a month or two prior to the event. Okay. They'll find you yeah. here. And then I'll, uh, at uh, wetflyswing.com slash deck, I'll have, um, all the show notes for the stuff we talked about today and, you know, in, in a place to get a yeah. hold of you, at least with your Instagram yeah. and stuff. So cool and uh as far as flies i always have to ask the fly question um you know you've got uh, one one or two flies to use for steelhead what what are do you have a couple patterns to throw out there yeah so my, my probably you know i know all all my buddies my my peers in this and you've talked to them all and we probably all pretty much have the same answer and that the my answer is the fly is the least important the most important least important uh component mm-hmm. to it's important because you have to have them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there's certainly parameters with which, you know, conditions with which you, you tie these offerings. Um, but, but, you know, if I had to just narrow down to, to two, to two flies and in, in winter type conditions, yeah. um, I love my Skagit mist, mm-hmm. uh, but you can replace that Skagit mist with a big old purple marabou. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. And you just fish, just go fish it. Yeah. Um, I like the Skagit mist because it's got a little bit of, a little bit of finesse and style and some classic lines, but it's, it's, it's full of, uh, all my favorite steelhead colors and it's got some movement to it. And, and, uh, you know, that's, if, if, if you said deck, all you ever get to fish for the rest of your winter steelhead is a Skagit miss. I'd say, let's go fishing. Nice. Uh, nice. Yeah. And then, uh, for the, uh, for more summer conditions and you know, Columbia river basin conditions, mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah, you, 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 you can't go wrong with just a, uh, a, a wet fly with a with a um, purple body and a white wing and on the tail, yep. whatever you want to call it. But if you said deck, all you get is a green butt skunk. You know, I'd be bummed that it was a green butt skunk because <laughs> they're just so yeah, they're wonderful, wonderful fly. Uh, but it's just so common, you know. But yeah, if that's yeah. all I had, I'd say let's go fishing. And then, in fact, if you replace that with a muddler, that'd be fine too. So yep. there you go. Cool. Yep. All right. And uh, what about maybe a steelhead tip? If you had to boil all your knowledge down into uh, one big tip for somebody that you know, uh, I guess may- maybe either going for summers or winters. What would you, do you have one that you, you tell so, people? So so there, there, there's the obvious. It is such a mental game. So you know, I would always say stick to it. Don't change your flies. Don't question what you're doing. The, the angle of the dangle, as I say, is more important. You want to fish that fly, fly slow and keep it in the water. Um, but you need to be observant. You, you need to be observant. And, and you'll find um, when, you, when you step into a steelhead run, if you cover the whole thing from top to bottom and really be thorough, you'll start to learn a lot. And I guess that would be my best, yep. best advice. But you, over time, you'll find out that that uh, the speed of the water that the fish takes in, whether it's a tail out, a, a riffly head, or the meat of the run, there's a certain constant in the holding areas, a certain speed in the holding areas where they actually take the fly, not the surface currents, yeah. 
if you're observant and you start to learn that and feel that, mm-hmm. um, and that's something you want to key in on. Yeah. yeah but, so- but mainly, but mainly just, just, just try and try and try and, uh, be persistent and, uh, don't worry too much about your fly and your line. Yep. Yep. Totally. Okay. And, uh, how about a, uh, we talked about a few people here, uh, in the show, but were you, are you more type, uh, had a few big mentors or did you do all this on your own getting started <clears throat> or, um, or throughout? Yeah, I, mean, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 uh, most people do it on their own. You know, mm-hmm. I did it on my own. I would say there was there people that I looked up to and, and, uh, and observed and watched carefully. And, and when they spoke, I listened, I, you know, I would see uh, Harry Lemire on the river yep. and I wasn't so eager as a young dude. I wouldn't run up and tell him what I knew and what I did. I was very humble and listen, that's a smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in rooms where, you know, some, some guys are, they're talking more than me and Ed are. And it's the, the this time of life and where, where that young guy is, he might want to listen to us, yep. you know? <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, for sure. But yeah, Harry Lemire, um, Bill McMillan mm-hmm. and uh, Charlie Gearhart. Charlie Gearhart, my okay. two, yeah, my two mentors. Nice. Um, and, and 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 none of them took me by the hand. Again, I I just observed and watched them and tried to emulate what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then my buddies, you know, just um, Scott O'Donnell and Ed Ward and even Marty Howard. We we just we and Jerry French. We just swap and share information, and we. I have nothing, you know, even though we all started around the same time and grew up in this together, we, we, uh, we all had tremendous respect for one another. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And, and still uh, do. yeah, totally. Uh, can you, uh, leave us with maybe a memorable fish, uh, story or, or some other, uh, big, uh, story from your, you know, your, you said you're 55 <laughs> years old. You've got a, how many years <laughs> you got now? If you look at it, I mean, you've been doing this a while since you're a kid, but how long have you been on the guiding? Did you do the guiding thing and just been well, in the industry? I, I, like I said, I start. I, well, <clears throat> I did my first, um, uh, spoke at a, uh, fly fishing club, uh, probably in 1986 six or seven i was okay. still in the navy so that was kind of the first thing i did that sure. so you got 30 um, good years listening yeah and then 89 like i said was my first guide trip mm-hmm. so yeah yeah probably 30 something years now yeah so blink of an eye blink so, of an eye so i've had a lot of wonderful amazing fish to my own rod i've seen some amazing uh, you can imagine things to to in, in the mm-hmm. in my guiding days um as far as just a just a mean 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 hot fish to my own rod um, uh, it's in the book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I the, you know, the Dean river in British Columbia down in the lower Dean where they're, they're right out of the tide and those fish are extra strong. Anyway, huh. we, we've all had, you know, where the, maybe not all of us, but where fish is running downstream and then you see a fish straight across from you yeah. jumping oh, yeah. and that's your fish. That's, that's, that's your fish. Yeah. Well, that's always neat, but yeah. This happened on uh, a, a much larger scale. It's a big, broad area of the river. Um, I don't know. It's it's more than a hundred yards across there, maybe a hundred yards. Uh, so the fish is way into my backing, going downstream, and I see this thing out of the corner of my eye, straight across from me. Only it's not in the water. It's up on the bank. Ah. No <laughs> kidding. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, so it's on the bank flopping. It's the whole Dean River is on my fly line, That's and this crazy. is just flopping. 
Yeah, that was nuts. And then, and then, you know, it goes on from there. I mean, yeah. Blow by blow accounts of the steelhead fighter, you know, yep. are, are special, but you know, we know what happens. They run, they jump, they jump, they run, they run, they jump. But that was probably the most amazing thing I ever saw. And what really was interesting is when I, I actually landed the fish, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I had to pull out every fish fighting right. skill I had and ability um, and stamina. Um, uh, the fish was, didn't really mark, mark itself up to, up too bad up on that bank. Okay. So that was nice. <laughs> yeah. Wow. They're hard as steel. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I think we are about there. I wanted to check in with you to see maybe in the next six months or so, if you have anything uh, you want to leave everybody off with to keep in touch or just uh, any new things coming up, we can be, be on the lookout for. Yeah. Well, um, like I said, we, 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 I, I'm not going to reveal what it is, but there's a little surprise coming. All right. There's a little surprise coming, and, and uh, I can assure you that uh, the, you, you'll all hear about it. So, um, in the meantime, I, 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 I want to thank you, and, and uh, I, I make no apologies, but uh, um, I'm sorry that, that I was in this situation, and then, you know, that to, for, for a, a portion of this podcast was devoted to, to something, you know. Yep less than beautiful right um, right and I'm, I'm all about beautiful so yep. sorry about that. no yep. no i think it, it was need, something it needed to be said from my perspective exactly and not even perspective just you know the yep. truth totally no i know i appreciate you coming on and uh you know telling your side of the story and i think a lot of people will yeah. definitely learn learn from this so i, I appreciate it's that um cool Awesome, Deck. Well, uh, yeah, I just want to thank you for coming on. I think, uh, you know, hopefully maybe down the line when uh, we keep going, maybe I can get you back on to ask you some more questions about stuff. But uh, Hey, I'd love to. It'd be fun to come on and just talk nothing no, but nothing but fishing. All right. All right. Good <laughs> stuff. Well, I'll, uh, I'll keep in touch. And, yeah, I'll, I'll put some links for some of this stuff and uh, where folks can connect with you and uh, some of the stuff we talked about. So, uh, yeah, we'll hopefully talk to you soon, and uh, we'll, we'll see you then. And to everybody listening, hey, have have a great time on the water and, and be safe and, and, and just have a great time. It's just, it's a beautiful life and there's a, there's a lot of wonderful opportunity out there in nature. So go get it and have fun. Nice. Thanks, Deck. Thank you. Right. Bye. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes with all the links we covered in this episode, just go to wetflyswing.com slash 20. If you get a chance, head on over to wetflyswing.com slash review to leave us a quick review. I believe this will help others find the show, uh, I think, and hopefully help some people get into their first steelhead. Thanks again for stopping by to check out the show today. I'm looking forward to catching up with you soon and maybe even seeing you online or on the river. Later. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. 